This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. It's Monday, July 20th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, educators and parents rally for a delayed school start, while rising cases prompt the governor to consider extending safety measures. Then, a civil rights icon, John Lewis, is remembered by one of Mississippi's own. Plus, the commission leading the way to redesign Mississippi's state flag is being formed. We talked to one member about serving in this historic group. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Teachers, parents, and education advocates are calling for state leaders and the Mississippi Department of Education to delay the start of the school year, citing concerns over the rising cases of COVID-19. This comes as Governor Tate Reeves follows the messaging from the Trump administration for students to return to school campuses when classes resume in the fall. Recently, I've seen some intense rhetoric saying that opening schools will mean people will die. The American Academy of Pediatrics said that closing schools could in fact itself push children to a higher risk of death. They're right. We have to provide the structure for children. It is a tremendous privilege to be able to stay home, to get paid, and to have no worries. But most families in our state simply can't do that. We can't force every parent to homeschool their kids indefinitely. It's it's insane to believe that that is a sustainable long-term policy. Our goal is to get kids back in school so that they can have structure, safety, and learning. We're going to do it with an overwhelming focus on public health. We're going to do it in a safe way. I believe that we can. In fact, I know that we can. We know that there is no safe way to abandon education. Some educators in the state say the scheduled start is too soon for a safe return. Gathered at the state capitol last week, members of Mississippi Teachers Unite proposed two solutions to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Delay the resumption of on-campus learning and fully fund the MAEP. Matt Hall is a teacher from Jackson. Many districts have been attempting to plan for the upcoming school year since the statewide closure began in March, when we were still relatively unaffected by COVID-19. I'm sure it has been a difficult process for school-level leadership, especially when there's so little help, forethought, or leadership coming from the national level. Instead of schools being forced to open for fear of being out of compliance with compulsory education laws and risking significant funding cuts, faced with such pressures, districts have no choice but to open, and chronically underfunded districts must do so without many of the staples of affluent private schools specifically the technology for teachers and students. Many districts are now trying valiantly to bulk up their technology and fix some of these tech disparities, but it takes time and it takes money and it takes support. Please 
join me in encouraging MDE and Governor Reeves to delay the start of school until at least Labor Day and to fully fund MAEP. Give our schools a fighting chance to educate our children safely. With the current major spike in cases of COVID-19 across the South, and with Southern schools being among the first to return, the country and the world are watching, waiting to see how the reopening of schools goes. We have a chance to lead the country responsibly, rather than just be the canary in the mine. Please delay the return and fund MAEP. Other teachers, like Jackson's Lynn Schneider, have underlying health concerns and worry a premature return to campus could put her and others in danger. Six weeks ago, I started dialysis. I'm a, I've had a disease, a hereditary disease, for 15 years that I've been fighting and keeping myself healthy. And two years ago, I was told I was going to be on dialysis any day. And I took care of myself to make it two more years. I don't want to die of a stupid reason, of a preventable reason. And they can say it's safe for children. We don't know that because children have not been together at school for four months. Children have been together at daycares, at camps, and they have gotten sick. Some have been hospitalized, some have died. We already know 36 people came to this building, which is now closed because it's not safe to be there, and got COVID. Two of these legislators, long-serving, one of them I know wore masks and did what he was supposed to do, but he's in the hospital, and so is the other one. So if there's ever a time for teachers to have a voice and not be afraid to use that voice, it's now. Let's be honest, parents agree with us. Administrators may not say it, but they agree with us too. They are between a rock and a hard place. We're asking the state and MDE to keep us safe and take them out of that hard place so they can also do the right thing. Reeves says he believes teachers, like many other residents, can resume working under health guidelines and admits there are some risks. Approximately a million Mississippians that are going to and from work every single day. Uh, They are going into an environment that is... Um, that is safe, and I believe that we can structure uh, our schools in such a way that our teachers uh, can teach, uh, and they can do so in a safe, uh, in a safe way, and in a safe environment. Um, are there going to be risks? Sure, absolutely. I, I can't stand, sit here and say that there are no risks, but I can also tell you that every single teacher who gets up and and, and drives to school, and quite frankly, every kid that rides on a school bus to school on our roads does so by assuming a little bit of risk uh, because there are automobile accidents that occur. And so uh, what we've got to be able to do and what we've got to be willing to do is we've got to make sure that that each of the various districts have uh, plans in place uh, that are sufficient to protect and to mitigate and to minimize the risk that are associated with not only the kids but the teachers and everyone in that school building. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says predicting the level of transmission in schools is difficult. He says the demographic with the highest current rate of transmission could be a concern to watch as school returns. It's, it's hard to know for sure because we've closed schools and we've limited daycare so much that we don't have a good perspective of when we put kids back in together how likely they are to transmit it. But probably our youngest children are very unlikely to get severely ill. 
um, they might be less contagious to, um, to one another. We don't know that for sure, but there's some suggestion of that. Just, just to caveat it, we're still learning. But very clearly, as kids get older, you go into middle school or high school, they're plenty contagious um, going in. So there's going to be sort of a graduated risk of transmission, at least based on the current science, as kids get older. Teenagers are probably just as contagious as 22-year-olds, and we know 22-year-olds are pretty darn good at spreading it um, from our recent experience. Mississippi topped 40,000 total cases of COVID-19 over the weekend as 1,809 new cases were reported between Saturday and Sunday. Last week saw three straight days of case reports over 1,000. The continued rise is causing Governor Reeves to consider extending public safety orders. Our order to ensure stricter measures in 13 counties are set to expire on Monday because we had to align them with our safe return order. I just want to be clear this afternoon. I fully expect that both the safe return order and the additional measures in those 13 counties will be extended beyond Monday. We are looking at the data and at the information to determine whether additional counties need to be added. We are also pouring over the data to determine if other measures need to be added as well. For instance, we know that in the state of Texas, all bars have been closed. We know that in the state of Florida, that they are not allowed to serve alcohol at bars. And so in talking with Dr. Burks a couple of days ago, in talking to Dr. Dobbs, this is certainly a an area that we are looking at very closely. But whether we choose to put additional measures on for those in bars or not, understand that it is not necessarily safe for there to be tons and tons of people standing around partying. Reeves has remained reluctant to issue a statewide mandate reemphasizing his targeted strategy during an appearance on CNN with anchor Jake Tapper. Coming up, civil rights icon John Lewis is remembered by one of Mississippi's own. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The nation is mourning the death of civil rights era icon John Lewis, who passed away late Friday night. Lewis was a leading figure in sit-in protests across the South, as well as the Freedom Rides. In 2018, he spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier at Mississippi's Civil Rights Museum, saying the images of freedom fighters of the past inspired him. Just to be here, to see all that is happening, feel me with joy. Walking through the museum made me cry. I saw pictures and images of people that I got to know, that I work with and struggle with and that I love. And someone no longer here, but seemed like they were speaking to me. Uh, saying, keep going, continue not to give up. 
So I was deeply inspired by seeing the image of Fannie Lou Hamer, Mega Evers, Lawrence Gillard, and, and so many other young soldiers for the movement. Were you disappointed in the time that you waited to come see this museum because when the president came for the grand opening, you decided not to participate? I was very disappointed that uh, I couldn't come because I didn't want to be here while he was here. But I'm so glad and so honored that I had the opportunity to come this weekend. What is your message to Mississippians? Because your all of your contributions and everything that you have done has inspired, as you heard Senator Booker say, many generations and it impacted so many people worldwide. So what do you want Mississippians to take away from knowing that you took the time to come here and see for yourself what is happening? Well, I want people to know that I, I, I came and I appreciated what I saw, what I witnessed, what I felt. And I want other people, not just in the state of Mississippi, that haven't visited the museum, but people from all over America and from all over the world that come here. You know, people struggle from about different issues. There's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of hurt in our society. And I think this museum can help heal people. So if they could do it in Mississippi, then we can do it in Alabama, we can do it in Georgia, or we can do it in Europe or in Africa or in Asia. It's not just a museum for America, but it's a museum for the world. Do you ever feel like, man, I'm spinning my wheels? No, sometimes I feel like I'm reliving my life. I thought we had conquered that problem, that issue. But you see the ugly head of racism rising. It's not dead. Mississippi civil rights veteran Fonzie Brown Wright remembers Lewis fondly and recalls some of the work she did with the late civil rights leader. We were involved in the 1966 Meredith March together because John was there. And as a matter of fact, someone from the um, archives in Alabama sent me two photos, one with me standing on a ladder addressing a group of people during the 66 March, and then one with Mrs. Annie Devine standing on that same ladder. And in the bottom of that picture, I'm on one side of the ladder, and John Lewis is on the other side of the ladder. And also, um, you probably know that I am the first African-American female to be elected to a position in Mississippi. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I, I was indeed. I lived in Madison County. Madison County was 70% African-American, and many people had tried to, um, uh, we, we, because we passed the Civil Rights Act in 64 and the Voting Rights Act in 65, and many people had tried to, um, even before the Voting Rights Act was passed, blacks had tried to run for, for political office. Not long after my election in uh, 68, of course, I took office in 69. On July, in July of 1971, I invited John and Julian Bond to come to the Madison County Courthouse for a community rally. A rally had never been held in the courthouse. This is the same courthouse, but many blacks had been actually uh, ran out of the courthouse trying to register. So this was the first 
community meeting, and I do have a picture of John, Julian, and myself. We have we have maintained a a relationship, not every day, every week, every month, or even every year. But uh, I I know John. I know, and I characterize him as a soul giant, soul giant. Uh, as you said, people refer to him as the soul of the house, and and of course uh, the conscience of the house, which to me means. And, and I call him a soul giant because even though he was short in stature, um, he 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 was very very well respected, very well learned in his area of politics, knew knew the law, um, and did everything that he could to be sure that we brought about a fair and equitable adjustment of the law for the underprivileged and the and the disenfranchised. Is that his legacy? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. John's life, even though he is physically gone from us, his life his, will always be remembered. Um, the, the work that he did, his determination, he knew that he was he was going to be beaten and jailed and burned and, and, and suffered all kinds of, of, of human, um, of, of all kinds of human uh, indignities. He knew going in, he was going to do it. And of course, I'm a student of that same learning in meeting with Dr. King and working with Dr. King, we were told that we were going to encounter difficulties, beatings, and I've been to jail. I've never been hit, but I've been to jail. I've been shot at. I've been tear gassed and all of that. And so we, we knew that that came with the territory. Well, I appreciate your thoughts. And uh, it sounds like you had great fondness and respect for him, uh, and I, and I thank you so much, Flonzy Brown-Wright. Thank you very much. Coming up, the commission leading the way to redesign Mississippi state flag is being formed. We talked to one member about serving in this historic group. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. When the legislature passed the historic flag bill last month, it also legally established a commission to lead in presenting a new flag design to be voted on by the people in November. The nine-person commission is comprised of appointees by the lieutenant governor and speaker of the House, as well as specified appointments made by the governor from three agencies, the Mississippi Arts Commission, the Mississippi Economic Council, and the Department of Archives and History. Among those tapped by Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman is Reuben Anderson, the first African-American to serve on the state Supreme Court. Anderson tells our Ashley Norwood after a lifetime under the old flag, he's honored to usher in change. It's significant, not so much the commission as it is the fact that the legislature made the difficult decision to take the flag down, and uh, that's uh, significant. I look forward to serving on the commission. I think I would have some input. I've had to deal with the Mississippi flag uh, most of my life. Uh, So uh, it's something that's important to me, and I look forward to serving on the commission. 
Now, when you say you've had to deal with the flag most of your life, can you expound on that? Um, I went to Ole Miss in 1965, so uh, I've been seeing the flag a long time and uh, seeing it in a lot of capacities. And uh, I think uh, the legislature acted timely. It's important to Mississippi, especially for our economy, and I know this 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 uh, appointment comes with great honor and a large responsibility, but also I'm sure a lot of pressure, a lot of outside pressure. Um, can you talk to me about how important you think it is to involve the public in some of the decisions you and other members will have to make as a board in the re- in the redesigning of a flag? Well, um, the legislature. Uh spent a lot of time evidently in deciding how to address this issue. Uh, I think the legislation encompassed a whole lot of uh, what you just asked me in the sense that uh, they want as much input from Mississippians as they can get. And I think uh, that's what we'll try to do is to listen as much as we can. I think we can get our work done. I think uh, a lot of people have an interest in not only changing the flag, but having a flag that uh, we can rally around. We know in 2000, then-Governor Ronnie Musgrove, he uh, appointed a commission to redesign the flag. Um, is there something from that time that you've taken, uh, I guess, into perspective now as far as this new day in creating a commission to redesign the flag? I don't necessarily think that we'll be doing anything uh, that's different in any form or fashion, but uh, I do think that we'll have a lot more enthusiasm because I think people in Mississippi have begun to realize that uh, the old flag was an obstacle uh, for our state, and to remove that obstacle uh, is going to be something that all of us can get excited about. Also appointed by Hoseman are Vicksburg attorney J. Mac Varner and Sherry Carr Beavis of Gulfport. Speaker Gunn's appointees include Oxford Mayor Robin Tannehill, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College President Dr. Mary Graham, and long-term staffer T.J. Taylor. Governor Tate Reeves has yet to name his appointments. Only unique flag design submissions that include the words, In God We Trust, will be considered by the nine-member commission. The new flag design cannot include the Confederate battle flag, and deadline for submission is August 13th. The commission must present a design for legislative approval by September 14th. Once approved, it will be placed on the ballot for residents to vote up or down on it in the November general election. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.